Podcast Answer Man, episode number 410. Entertaining, educational, and encouraging content that makes a difference. This is GSPN.TV. Join the community. Hi there, this is Ray Edwards from RayEdwards.com, and there's only one guy I trust to answer my questions about podcasting, and that is, of course, the Podcast Answer Man, Cliff Ravenscraft. Well, hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of the Podcast Answer Man. My name is Cliff Ravenscraft and this, my friends, is the podcast devoted to helping you take your message, your business, and your life to the next level. That's right, my friends. It does not matter if you are brand new to this online content creating world we live in or if you have been creating content for many years, there's something we can all do to take everything we do in life to the next level. And my friends, I am delighted to be back with another pre-recorded episode for you. I happen to be still recording this on Wednesday, June 24th. I guess that's actually the next day now. It's 12.19 in the morning, but I'm on a roll and I figure I'll sleep in late tomorrow. Anyway, this podcast episode, episode number 410, is going to be released to you guys on Monday, July 6th, and this will be the beginning of week two of my family vacation in Europe, but it's also part two of a series that I'm doing here in Podcast Answer Man called Questions That New Podcasters Ask. That's right, I started this series back in episode number 409. Uh, Good information here for you to know is that you do not have to listen to episode 409 before jumping into part two here. Uh, These questions are not related sequentially by any stretch of the imaginations. They are random and they are pretty much just sample questions, or they're actually questions that have come up during the live weekly group coaching calls that I do during my podcasting A to Z course um, that that you can learn about and we'll even talk a little bit more about near the end of this episode. But anyway, what I'm doing here is randomly pulling out questions that I have been asked by brand new podcasters and I am doing the same thing for you here in the podcast that I did for them during that live weekly group coaching call, which is basically answering these questions off the top of my head. Now, with that being said and all of that out of the way, let's jump right back into it. I want to fit in as many of these questions as possible. And so the very first question that came in that I'm going to uh, talk about here in this episode is from a student who asked this question. Anyway, it came in easy for me to say, right? For your tutorials, Cliff, it looks like you're using YouTube more than you do Vimeo. If this is true, can you share why that is? So during podcasting A to Z, this course, my students get access to a lot of video training tutorials. Now, these video training tutorials are all very high quality, very well prepared in advance, high quality production went into uh, making these available, and they're all very much uh, oriented towards step by step. You can follow along and do it, and they've been updated so many times with Each time I've done an update, 
that uh, I've actually made sure that all the questions that had still come up from pre- previous students who had watched the previous versions, anytime those same questions continued to come up, I made sure that the newest version had all of those answers in there to all of those questions before they could even be asked. And and so the you know I I love this method of of having these tutorials as the basis for my training for this podcasting A to Z course. Now these main tutorials like. Uh, you know, equipment options for every budget, uh, equipment setup and, you know, mixer setup and uh, mixer basics and equipment setup tutorials. Then there is the uh, Adobe Audition or Audacity 101 tutorials. These are tutorials that either of those solutions that you might choose. Here's everything you need to know as far as the basics and pretty much if this is all you ever knew for the remainder of your podcasting career, this, this really is enough. Um, there's more you can learn, but this, this will get you through. And boy, I wish you'll hear me talk about what I wish I would have known. Uh, cause that's a question that comes out later. But anyway, uh, you know, th- there's that tutorial. There is, um, WordPress for podcasters. There are tutorials, um, like, oh gosh, I'm, I'm drawing a blank right now, but there, there are a lot of main key element tutorials that I assign. And all of these big tutorials that are a part that make up the the really the foundation or the meat of podcasting A to Z, these are usually somewhere between one to two hours in length, and they're 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 the big things that make up everything. And also, most of those tutorials are available for one-off purchase. You can head over to podcastanswerman.com/products. And on that page, you will see you can purchase Audacity 101, Adobe Audition 101, the Roland R-05 digital audio recorder tutorial. You can see that you can purchase WordPress for podcasters and and all of those different tutorials there. Uh, and, And basically what happens is I use a Vimeo account. You can get a Vimeo Pro account and just Google Vimeo Pro. And Vimeo is V-I-M-E-O. So Google Vimeo Pro, and you can you can actually see how much it costs to have an account with them. And one of the things that I like is that I can upload my videos to Vimeo, and then I can actually use their tools to securely embed that on my own web page. And not only that, but I can actually set it up to where um, you know maybe somebody's going to come to my page that I've created for my product. And they can view the source and they can see the embed codes. And then you might think, well, they could just take that embed code and create their own website and embed that on their sites and share it with all of their friends. Well, because Vimeo has this uh, security option where I can actually lock it down to where this video can only be played on my Vimeo account uh, from my Vimeo site. Or it can only be played on this list of approved domain names. So basically, I have it set up to where, number one, you can't even watch the video on my video account on Vimeo because I, I basically hide it from the directory. I don't have, I don't give anybody the direct link to watch it on Vimeo. But anyway, I upload it and pretty much use Vimeo as a media host for those tutorials. And then I, I actually secure it to where I say, only allow this to be embedded on the domain podcastanswerman.com. And then I create that password protected page and people have to type in the password and then they can view it right from there. 
Now, I do that because, you know, a lot of people who are buying these tutorials, many of them don't have a really good relationship with me. They don't know very much about me. And, and you know, a lot of people are finding me uh, as a result of a Google search. They come and find my tutorial, they buy it, and, and they go on their way. So without really having a deep connection with me, there, you know, it's very possible that some of those people could just take the video and and if it was really easy to share or to give away or to just copy or embed somewhere else, then you know they they might just throw it out there on a site and the next thing you know that you know people Google my the name of my tutorial and there's tons of free versions out there and I want to avoid that from happening and so that's why I kind of use Vimeo. I could make it even more difficult and lock it down even further, but that's about as far as I go. And even if you go to my password protected page, you know, I put a little blurb at the top. Thank you so much for supporting the work that I do by purchasing this tutorial. Please do me a favor and do not share a copy of this tutorial with anyone who has not paid uh, me directly for this product. You know, and of course, you know, what you know what if they just take the you know they buy my tutorial and they get the link and the password and just give that out to people well you know yeah that can be done you know it, it just it, it can be done but here's the deal if somebody was to send you it's like here i bought this tutorial here's a link and the password to it you know the very first thing that you as the recipient of that link and password are going to read is Hey, thank you so much for supporting the work that I'm doing by purchasing my tutorial. Please don't give this out to anybody who hasn't paid me directly for it. And at least you, as the recipient of that link and email address, know that the person who gave it to you just violated basically what I had just stated there. And that, you know, I, I'm, I'm not trying to make people feel guilty or anything like that, but at least, you know, people will consciously be confronted with the message that, hey, this is a paid-for product and I make a living from selling this product. And, 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 and Vimeo keep, helps me keep it locked down to there. Here's the deal. Could people take ScreenFlow and put it on, on full screen and, and record it and, and share it? Yes, all of that could be done. And I, you know, it, here's the deal. I, I, I can't prevent you know, content theft and sharing and all this other stuff to the nth degree. And and I try to make my stuff access as easily accessible to those who have paid for it as possible. I don't want to do any digital rights management and all that other stuff. I, I just wanna I, I just want to use whatever tools that make it super easy but still, you know, I love that people can buy pay for pay in a shopping cart solution for my tutorial they can get an email and an instant notification that says, hey, thank you for your purchase. Here's a link to where you can view it. Here's the password that you need. And by golly, on their, they're, they're on a website or on a web page on my domain. They can view it on their browser, any browser that they have on their desktop. They can view it on any Android or any mobile device. It'll all work. It, Vimeo has a great HDMI video player there. And it's embedded on my site. It's super easy. And and it's not easy for them to share that with other people who haven't paid for it. That that's that's the thing. That that's why I use Vimeo. So this student who was in my A to Z course asking this in the weekly group coaching call says, I noticed that you're using YouTube with these with more of the videos than than I see Vimeo showing up. 
is this true? Well, first of all, is it true? If, if this is true, can you share why? And the answer is yes, there are more tutorials that are given to act that I give access to, to my student students in this course that are on YouTube than there are on Vimeo. Now these YouTube videos, a majority of them, like let's just say 98% of them are what we call unlisted YouTube videos. That means that I can upload them to, I can upload the, the video tutorial that I just created, I can upload it to YouTube and have it as unlisted, which means it's not gonna be indexed or, or be found uh, via search on Google or YouTube. It, it's kind of hidden from their directory. Uh, also, it's not gonna show up on my channel as a recent video upload. It's not gonna show up anywhere in the YouTube space whatsoever. The only way that an unlisted video is going to be seen is one of really two ways that I can think of off the top of my head. Maybe you can think of another way, but really you either have to have the direct URL of that video or you could actually have somebody share you a link with that or it could be embedded on a website. Now, I happen to use Basecamp for my uh, discussion forums inside of the podcasting A to Z course. And one of the features of, uh, of Basecamp is that if I actually paste a link, just the URL of a YouTube video, it will actually embed that YouTube video right there in the discussion topic. So all I can say, I, I could, somebody might say, hey Cliff, I was wondering, how, how can I actually test to make sure my audio levels are just right? And I happen to have a, a short, brief, to the point uh, video that explains exactly how to do a Skype test call service so you can actually check to see how good your audio quality is with Skype and your volume levels. And, and basically what I'll do is say, here's a video that I created for another student who asked this question. I think it will help you out. And then and see the video below or something like that. And then all I do is I go and get the URL of that video from YouTube. It's unlisted, remember. Nobody can really see it. I paste the URL right there in my answer in the discussion forum. And as soon as I hit play, or as soon as I hit post this message or this response or add this comment, then it has everything that I just wrote, and instead of displaying the link, it actually shows the video right there. And that's one of the reasons why I like the, the, the YouTube video, because they don't actually have to click the link and leave and go out and watch it on Vimeo. They actually can watch it right there in line with the rest of the answer. And I even sometimes will have notes after the video. It says, in the video above, I mentioned this, this, and this, and here's links to where you can buy these various different things that you may or may not need. So uh, that's why I use that uh, YouTube and it's, it's kind of nice. And of course, now here's the deal. Anybody who's in my A to Z student, could they take and find, you know, they could actually, the embedded video is there with YouTube and all they have to do is click on the, the, the YouTube logo or, or the title that's on the, on, the, on the video display and it'll take them to that video with the direct URL on YouTube. And there it's, it's as easy as can be for any one of those students to take that link and then use that and share it on social media, share it in an email, share it in a private Facebook group or share it with everybody. It, it is super easy for them to share it because all they need is the URL and anybody who has that URL 
can then just click on it and watch my unlisted video with no password protection whatsoever. Now, why would I do that? Well, it's it, the reason why I feel more comfortable and confident in doing this with my podcasting A to Z students than just the average person who may have purchased my tutorials uh, you know, as far as off the internet who may not know me, is I really feel confident that I have a really good close relationship with somebody who's just paid me $2,000 to take my four-week training course. Anybody who has paid $2,000 to take my four-week course, I believe has a certain level of trust uh, and, and admiration of the work that I do. Otherwise, why would they pay so much to take it, my course, right? And so I feel like there's the trust level is so high uh, that I really don't believe that I'm ever gonna have an issue with any of my students taking advantage of those tutorials and, and sharing them out with the world for free. So that's why I, I don't worry about it as much. So that's why I feel a little bit easier uh, you know, I mean, I guess if it became a problem, I could just start uploading everything to you, Vimeo and I could actually make everything password protected and, and stuff like that. And I'm thankful to tell you that after 440 plus students going through this course, that's never been an issue. But that's why I use YouTube. And by the way, YouTube is just, it just is much easier. I mean, it's, it, it is literally much easier to consume. Uh, for people, it, I think oftentimes it streams better than Vid Vimeo does. Uh, some people would argue that Vimeo handles HD better and blah, blah, blah. You know, I'm, I'm not putting up 4K videos or anything like that. But here's the deal. Um, YouTube is pretty sweet. And I love its integration inside of uh, Basecamp. And that's why oftentimes I will put those videos out there. The next question that I that I pulled out of a list of questions that students have asked me is, why do you like Adobe Audition over Audacity? Now, I started out with Audacity years and years ago when I first started podcasting, back in December 2005. And it is a great tool for somebody who is getting into podcasting who isn't looking to plop down a big chunk of money to purchase the access to use Adobe Audition. Now, years ago, you could buy the full version of Adobe Audition for $349. And if you were a student, you could actually pick it up for like 150 bucks, which is really nice. But today, you can't do that. Um, I almost wish you could still buy it for $349 and be done with it, because I certainly would do that. But instead, now Adobe only sells Adobe Audition as a software, as a service. You pay a monthly fee to have access to it. And chances are, you know, you might want to do their multiple, uh, so, you know, pieces of software. You can have access to all their software for a monthly fee. And that's the one that I do. Although, really, actually, I only use two pieces of software most of the time. I use Adobe Audition and Photoshop. Um, occasionally, I've used Lightroom, but I don't use it as much anymore. Um, and I've been thinking about maybe one day I might actually get into Adobe Audition or Adobe Premiere Pro or whatever that is. I, it's a part of my software package, I'm sure. So anyway, but why do I, here's the deal. Audacity, you don't have to pay a monthly feed. It is free as free can be and stuff like that. Now, here's the thing that when I first started podcasting, Audacity does not have an MP3 encoder included with it. Now, they do tell you that there is a free MP3 encoder that you can use and install to work as a plugin with Audacity, and it's called the Lame Encoder. And this thing 
is absolutely horrendous. The MP3 encoder from Lame, L-A-M-E, uh, well, I would actually say that the, the name of it actually pretty much is descriptive of its quality. It is lame. And the reason why is because if you were to create an MP3 version, like a stereo file at 128 kilobits per second, from the Audacity software using the lame encoder, my voice would, it would, it would sound like I've, I've got liquid in my lungs. It would sound like I'm choking on water. It, it has this chunky sound to it. It's broken up. It's, it's overly compressed sound. And it just sounds awful. And so to be able to get a good quality sound from the lame encoder, you have to actually bump up, I believe, to 192 kilobits per second or higher um, to, to really get a good quality sound out of it. And because of that, that you, you're actually at a much higher bit rate, you're creating a much larger file size. And so I, I didn't like that. The other thing is, is that Adobe Audition, uh, well, first of all, Adobe Audition solves that because Adobe Audition has, the they've licensed the Fraunhofer encoder. Fraunhofer Institute, they're the ones who created the MP3 file format, and they license their encoder to certain software companies that, that will pay for the licensing fee. And Adobe Audition, every time they sell access to Adobe Audition, they pay a fee for that license to the Fraunhofer Institute. And as a result of that, I, as an as a user of Adobe Audition, can literally save any project that I'm working on. I can save it as an MP3 file using their MP3 encoder. And at a, I record as a, at a, a stereo file at 128 kilobits per second, and that file perceptively to my ears sounds just as good as the wave file. I, I know technically it's not as good. There has to be some some even some even noticeable frequencies that have been removed, but it it is it is so darn close to the original that that it it's not perceptible to me. Now if I go lower than 128 kilobits, I can I can start to notice it. But even then Adobe Audition does pretty good. I've I've released some shows for some folks at 96 kilobits per second. It still sounds pretty decent. 64, eh. I start to notice it pretty well, but still the the MP3 encoder that comes included with Adobe Audition is absolutely amazing. Now you can use, if, let's just say you didn't want to spend the money on Adobe Audition, you can still have access to the Fraunhofer encoder for free and use Audacity. So basically what I recommend for people who are using Audacity, I recommend that they actually record their file in a their their your episode in a wave format, then do their editing inside of Audacity. It's not changed anything. It's going to import it in and stuff like that. And then when they've done all of their editing inside of Audacity, I tell them to export it from Audacity as a wave file. And then if they drag that WAV file into iTunes, you can configure iTunes to actually um, be set up to actually convert the WAV file over to an MP3 file, and it will do that using the Fraunhofer encoder, exactly the same way that, that Adobe Audition is going to use the Fraunhofer encoder, because Apple pays the license for iTunes to use the Fraunhofer encoder. 
And and a lot of people who are using Audacity are doing that because of my advice. Now, I show exactly how to do that in my Audacity 101 tutorial. Now, of course, you know, my podcasting A to Z students all have access to that. If you're not an A to Z student and you may not be one in the future, if you want to learn how to do that, you can head over to uh, podcastanswerman.com slash products and I have my Audacity 101 tutorial available for sale right there on my website. Now, it's possible you could probably figure it out on your own how to do it. Um, it it's not that difficult. It's all about the import settings inside of um, uh, iTunes and you, it's kind of using the old CD import tool and and you go in and you change the quality and stuff like that. It, you could probably find tutorials out there on the web to do it for free. But if you want my instructional tutorial, not only how to install, how to export as a wave and use iTunes to convert it to MP3 file, but also how to do what I consider to be the basics in Audacity, that tutorial's there, Audacity 101. Anyway, um, the other thing that I like about Adobe Audition is this tool called Hard Limiter. Now, um, and, and there's also not just hard limiter, but there, there's this, um, what's the other tool that I use? It Actually, it is. It, it's hard, it's got the hard limiter, but it does hard limiting with amplification. It's hard for me to explain this to you, but basically what it allows me to do is I can actually have an audio file that has, you know, where I'm at a certain volume level, and I thought that the audio levels were just right um, as, as far as what it looked like on the recorder, but it just you know, my guest is maybe just a little bit louder than my voice for whatever reason. And what I can do is I can go in and I can say, listen, I want to amplify this entire recording, my voice and my guest's voice, and I want to amplify the entire thing by five decibels. Now, the thing is, is my voice, uh, but I want to limit it at, I want to limit the amplification at negative 1.5 decibels. And what will happen is it will see that my guests, if they're only three decibels away from negative 1.5 decibels, so they're only three decibels away. If I tell it to amplify it five decibels, but it sees that it's only three decibels away from what I set as the hard limit, then it's going to stop amplifying at 3%. Now, my voice, let's just say my voice is four decibels away from the limit. And so I've told it to amplify it up to five decibels, but with a hard limit of negative 1.5, basically what happens is it goes through the whole thing and where my guest was at was only three decibels below the limit and mine was four decibels below the limit, it will increase my voice by four decibels, their voice by three decibels, and then we actually are at the end, are we're equal all the way through from beginning to end both of our volume levels are now there at negative 1.5. So I I don't know if that made a lot of sense to you, but it's this hard limiting, setting a hard limit, but amplifying up to that limit. Um, that just isn't possible in in Audacity. Now, some of my friends who are Audacity, Audacity experts and stuff like that, maybe they found a way to do it. Maybe they found some plugins that will work to do it over the years. Uh, if so, please feel free to let me know. Um, it, you know, but I, I've, I've. This is something that is just built into Adobe Audition, and I love. 
And there's also another thing called the multiband compressor. And this is something that I have that's called my secret sauce. Now, my secret sauce can actually be found uh, for free out there now. And, and it's been out there for a long time. If you go to learn, I think it's learnhowtopodcast.com. Why is that not pulling up as quickly as learnhowtopodcast.com? There we go. Anyway, if you go to learnhowtopodcast.com, I don't remember what video it is, but there is one of these videos that will show you. Uh, actually, it's uh, video number six on the site currently. It is actually a proven podcast, uh, a proven podcasting workflow. If you go through that tutorial, part six of eight, it will actually show you how to set up my um, my. Uh, what is it called? Cliff's Secret Sauce. And so if you do that, um, you can see that is another reason why I love Adobe Audition so much. So anyway, th those are the big reasons. And the fact that it's, it's just so clean and, and easy to do, the multi-track editing is better. I, I just like it better. It, 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 I, it, I find it to be a much uh, more robust and, and full featured solution for podcast editing and it literally saves me tons of time and energy and I can do everything all inside of Adobe Audition. I don't have to do some of it inside of um, Audacity and then do some of it over in iTunes and and all of that stuff. It, it's just much easier for me to have a nice clean workflow and that's why I love Adobe Audition more than Audacity. All right, next question. What podcast software do you like most personally? Uh, now, there are a lot of different podcast applications out there. I think in la the last episode, I talked at a great length about Pocket Casts. Uh, so if you want to hear about Pocket Casts, go back to episode number 609, or no, I'm sorry, episode number 409 uh, of this podcast. But here in episode number 410, I'm going to tell you about my favorite podcast app, and it's called Podcasts, and it's by Apple. And I hear my friend Father Roderick dump on this thing quite a bit. But I will tell you, and, and by the way, it was worth dumping on when it first came out. It was horrible. I hated the Apple Podcasts app. But today, several years later, several updates later, this is by far the best podcast app that I have ever seen. And trust me, I have Downcast. I have Instacast. I have Pocket Casts. I have uh, all of those different apps. I have all, I have them all. And I've used them all. And, and the Podcasts app, hands down, is by far my favorite app uh, of, of choice for subscribing and to managing podcasts. And basically, when I when I look at it, I, I have a very good list view of my shows. It's very clear to tell, how, you know, with a numerical value, how many unlistened to episodes do I have? I, I can actually have it go in and, and I can do the settings on any individual show and say, listen, when this show comes in, I want you to automatically download the episode into my phone. I don't want to I don't want to manually tell you to do it. Because many times I will just stream a show. I won't actually download the episode into my phone. I will just stream it and listen to it as I have internet access while I'm here at the house or on the go. You know, I know that I've got good LTE connection 
everywhere in the area where I live or ride my bike or whatever the case may be. Um, and so I, I, I pretty much just stream a lot of shows. But there are some shows that, you know, they're, they're just shows that I want to make sure that if I'm going on a, on, a, on a flight, on an airplane, if I'm going for a road trip to Tennessee and there's a couple spotty areas where I don't have a great connection to the Internet, I want to make sure that those episodes are always downloaded no matter what. And so Father Roderick's three shows automatically get downloaded. Uh, the Twitch shows automatically get downloaded. Ray Edwards, Dan Miller automatically gets downloaded. A bunch of others automatically get downloaded. So those shows, every time there's a new episode, I can tell it to download them. But other shows, they don't automatically download. They don't, they don't automatically take up space on my phone. They're just there on demand, ready for me to listen to. It's very easy for me to go into this episode in, into these shows and and see uh, not only shows that I haven't listened to, or it's, it's easy for me to go and look at the feed and find out what shows maybe were in the past that I might want to listen to. I can swipe left and hit, you know, mark this as unplayed. Um, there, there are so many great features. I can hit forward 15 seconds, back 15 seconds. I can double speed it. There, it, it's got it's got pretty much everything, and um, you know I, I love it. I love this app. It is my favorite app. And there's another reason why I like it as a podcaster, is that you know if, if I'm I'm not a huge fan of of being overly obsessed with our iTunes rankings. You know I I, I think some people just get so caught up in their iTunes rankings, but I mean I still think they're valuable. Right, and if you are listening to my podcast using the podcasts app on your iOS device, then iTunes, Apple's iTunes software will recognize that download, or even if you're streaming it, they recognize that as a listen, and that certainly counts towards the 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 listen. So if people are listening to me via Stitcher. The Stitcher app, if you're listening to me via Downcast, Instacast, all of those other things, if you're listening to Podcast Answer Man via anything else other than the official Apple software, then iTunes is not counting your download of my show for my ranking in iTunes. Trust me, don't feel guilty and switch to to the podcast app because of that. I'm not asking you to do that at all. But I'm just saying that one of the things that I love about the fact that I'm using the podcast app is that every time I'm listening to an episode of Father Roderick's shows, I'm giving him a little bit of a boost in his in his iTunes rankings. Same thing for Leo Laporte, Ray Edwards, Dan Miller, uh, Wayne Jacobson, The Vergecast, uh, Greg and Jennifer, Michael Hyatt, Pat Flynn, Mark Mason, Michael Stelzner, Leslie Samuel, uh, Brian Holmes, Paul Colligan. Um, you know, all of these different people that I listen to, I'm helping them in their iTunes rankings by listening to their show using the Apple Podcasts app. So that's that's another reason why I like it. And the other thing that I like is that you can actually go into the podcast app and you can actually leave written reviews and five-star ratings for your favorite shows right there from the Apple podcasts app you can't do that from other apps as um so that that's the reason why those are some of the reasons why it's my favorite app anybody who tried the official podcasts app for ios back when it first came out even if it was the first year maybe even the first 18 months that it was out 
Uh, if you if you have those initial impressions of the app from back then, you're absolutely right to think it was absolutely horrible. It was, but I will tell you that today the Apple Podcasts app it is by far my favorite app, and I love it. All right, moving on. The next question here: Besides Workflowy, what tools do you use to manage, schedule, and plan your shows? I understand some people use Evernote. Why? Why is Evernote? What is Evernote? What? Uh, let's see. Why is it that Evernote? Anyway, why is everybody so f- fanatical about Evernote? Is what they want to know. I don't know anything about it. Is it? Is it good for? Is Evernote good for keeping your show notes? Here's the deal. Um, the tool that I'm using right now, the most to organize what I'm going to include in a particular podcast episode is a service called Workflowy. Now, I believe if you go to, gosh, do I have podcastanswerman.com slash workflowy here? I believe that was a URL I created a long time ago, and it still works. So here's what I encourage you to do. Go to here, okay, go to podcastanswerman.com slash workflowy. And that's going to show you, that's going to forward you to a Ustream recording of episode, looks like 262 of Podcast Answer Man. It's a video, and it's going to show me in my old studio at my old house how I was using workflowy as an outline for that particular episode. Now you have to get into it before it actually starts the episode in that video, but it will show you what I was doing and how I use Workflowy, and that's still very much how I use Workflowy today. Now with that being said, um, Evernote is a great tool for keeping track of notes, and I there was a time when I was using Evernote for, uh, I would create a notebook for each of my different podcasts, and in that notebook, each, uh, each of those, uh, each episode was a note and then I had note I had a note for future topics and and all this other stuff there was a time when I was using Google Docs for my show notes there was a time when I used um gosh what's the uh wonder list uh for my show notes they, here's the deal uh, oh and there was a time when I was using mindmeister uh for mind mapping my show notes uh, or my 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 when I say show notes, I'm talking about my my preparation notes, my my outline for what's going to be in each episode. And you know what? Here's what I've come to understand about about show preparation and these tools. Uh, it's something that my friend Ray Edwards said in a recent episode about what's the best and most essential tools for writing. And the most essential tool is the one that you're gonna use. It's gonna be the one that you choose to use and find a way to organize your own way. And everybody, in when it comes to these things, we all have our own personal preferences. You know what? Today, um, you know, actually, technically yesterday, <laughs> I recorded episode number 408 of Podcast Answer Man, and I literally wrote the, the outline of what I was going to talk about, not in Workflowy, but I wrote it down with an actual pen, on physical paper in a notebook. I did. For whatever reason, I didn't feel like fooling around with a digital keyboard and mouse. I I just, I'm like, you know what? Step away from the computer. Here's a blank piece of paper. Here's a pen. What am I gonna talk about in episode 408? And here's what I have written down. 
Mark Marin interviews the president. And then below that, I wrote episode 613 of WTF and WTF pod. And then right, and that's all I wrote. And then right below that, I wrote Sony ECM CS3 stereo condenser lapel mic, bigger than most lapel mics because it's stereo, two microphones. It's about one and one third inch wide. There's also the ECM CS10 looks smaller. And then I wrote down right next to it, AT9904, which I knew exactly what that means, even though I didn't write it down on paper because, well, you can listen to the episode of 408 if you want to go back and listen to find that what that is. I also wrote foam windscreens for lapel mics, hard to fit on because of the opening for each mic is so big, was afraid they would pipe uh, would pop off, so I used packing tape to keep them secured. Um and there you go. That that is that's all I wrote in that area. And then I put on here Lacey Placey asked on Twitter, "Can I plug my Audio Technica directly into a Roland? Most use mixers, but I'm just starting out and trying to record Skype interviews." And um and I put it on here, a uh, good plug for my tutorial on Podcaster's Guide to recording co-host guests and podcast interviews. And guess what? I forgot to plug it, uh, even though it was written right there for me. And then I, I have one final note on there. Hey, don't forget to tell them about podcasting A to Z starting on August 10th. And that was my notes. And that was a great episode of of Podcast Answer Man. But I didn't need anything more than a pen and a piece of paper. And it worked extremely well. So, you know, when it comes to what tools today... I'm still using Workflowy for the most part. Um, right now, I actually went into the, how am I getting my questions for this particular episode and also episode 409 from last week's episode for you guys. Um, I'm actually using Google Docs at this very moment because what I did is I went into GoToWebinar and I ran a report for my most recent webinars and I downloaded the CSV files, comma separated value of the reports from each of my weekly group coaching call webinars that I did on GoToWebinar. And these CSV files have a, have the, every, they ha, in the table, you have to stretch it out and go, go searching for it, but in this spreadsheet, they have every question that every student asked during those weekly group coaching calls. And what I did is I went in there and opened it up and I cut the question out of the CSV you know, spreadsheet, and then I just pasted it into a Google Doc. The, the questions that I wanted to cover in this series of what, you know, questions that new podcasters ask. And as a result of that, I, I now have a Google document that has the questions. And then I went through and I and I made sure that they were worded well, except for I just messed up the one that I just read to you just a moment ago about Workflowy and Evernote. But uh, for the most part, I, I, I went through and proofread the questions, decided, yes, these are the ones I wanna do, and and I'm reading the questions right out of Google Docs. And so there is no one tool, one one essential thing that is above anything else. The, the, the essential tool is the one that you'll use uh, and don't feel like you have to be locked in and, and and stuff like that. Don't feel like you have to stay, you know, every single episode has to be archived in the system and stuff like that. Could Can that be beneficial? If everything was in a Google Doc, it would be kind of nice. I, I, I could actually, if, I, if every single thing was in a Google Doc, every note and pre-show 
note that I had was in a Google Doc, I could actually just search that Google Doc for a keyword and instantly pull up and find all that stuff. Do I have that? No, not a big deal. If I had that in Evernote, could I figure out a way to do all? Yeah, I, even Workflowy would allow me to do it if I had them all. In, but the thing is, is with this is episode 410 of Podcast Answer Man, and I've probably used at least 50 maybe even 60 different technology tools to prepare the show notes of what I was going to say for all of these different episodes. And you know what? Once the episode's done, let's put it out there, get it out there, ship it to the world, and hopefully I said something valuable. All right? So doesn't matter to me what tool you use. I I use Workflowy most of the time, but for whatever reason, today I've used a piece of paper, a pen, and I'm looking at a Google Doc. Go figure. All right, Uh, let's see here. The next question is, actually, you know what? I'm gonna jump ahead to a question and it is from Robin. And Robin asked, what are the three things you wish you knew in the beginning? So what what are three things that you know now that you wish uh, you knew in the beginning? And I would, you know, here's the thing. I kind of really like the way that I answered this question during that call. And rather than trying to re-recreate off the top of my head what my answer was, I wanna give you the real, authentic, genuine answer that came because I, I wasn't prepared. These questions, you know, I don't know about these questions ahead of time. These questions are being asked by students live in the call. Oftentimes, these questions, they didn't even know they were gonna ask at the beginning of the call, but when they come to their mind, they post them in the little question box in the weekly group coaching call, and I answer the questions as they come in, one right after the other, and I want to actually just share for you without any editing exactly what came to my mind when she asked this question. Robin, what are the three things you wish you knew in the beginning? Three things I wish I knew in the beginning. Number one, in the beginning, I wish I knew the basics of audio editing. I I did not know it when I started. You guys, whether you're using Audacity or you're using Adobe Audition, which are the only two I would recommend that you use. I would not recommend any of the other ones, but if you wanna use GarageBand, feel free to go ahead and use it. But if I go back to December 2005 and the first first half of 2006, podcasting those first six or seven months, one thing I wish I would have known is all about recording as a WAV file, getting audio levels right the first time. I wish I would have known about how to monitor my audio levels and my co-host and see that they're the same. Uh, I wish I knew. I wish I knew about um, bit rates and and because some of my audio quality from the early days, I saved. I, I wanted my file sizes to be as small as possible, so I saved them at this really low bit rate to keep those file sizes small. Small. And now when I go back and if I wanted to play a clip from the old days, it all routed, it, it sounds so horrible because I didn't keep the original, right? But uh, I wish I knew about the basics of audio production. And the good news is if you went through either Audacity 101 or Adobe Audition 101, you know everything I wish I would have known then. So definitely go through there. Um, What else do I wish I would have known back then? I wish I would have known that it's important just to put the content out there and and not necessarily worry what other people think or feel like you should be 
uh, in their eyes. Uh, grow some, grow some thick skin. That you know, back in the early days, I used to tr- really try to please anybody and everyone. I, I, I have this heart that I'm a people pleaser. I'm actually I'm a recovering people pleaser, as you can tell, Chris. I was having a hard time telling you no, uh, but the fact is, is I'm recovering people pleaser. So I did tell you no, but um, and and I'm getting better at it. But I still feel bad telling people no. But here's the deal: back when I first started podcasting, I was just excited to have anybody listen to me. And if anybody wrote to me and said that they weren't happy with something that they heard going on in my podcast, it's like, listen, I know noticed that over the last couple of weeks you've done this and I really don't like it. I wish you'd stop. Well, I would actually try to stop. And and I tried to make that person happy. And then all of a sudden I might get somebody else who says, you know, I, for a couple of weeks you did this and then you stopped doing it. I wish you would do it again. And then I have this conundrum. What do I do? Uh, and then every now and then I would just be myself and I would kind of lighten up and just have fun with the show and I would laugh and joke around and it wouldn't be as polished as it normally would. And some people said, man, I really love that you lightened up and, and just, like it just felt so more natural and authentic and I would feel really great about it until I got a couple of emails of people who said, I really hated it, man. I kind of wasted my time. That's 15 minutes I'll never get back. That 15 minutes you went off on that tangent. And that would really bum me out. And today, I, you know what? Uh, matter of fact, if, if please pardon me. You guys know I'm a man of faith and everything and stuff like that. But I will tell you that I did get a, do- a domain name, and it's actually getyourownpodcast.com. So every now and then, I would never send it, but my wife and I had it as an in- inside joke. And so if you go to getyourownpodcast.com, it will take you to my free tutorial to go create your own podcast. So um, I've grown some thick skin over the years. Um, uh, it... it yeah, I've I had a lot of terrible feedback in the early days. I mean, literally people scathing one star negative reviews, all of that stuff. I had people email me personal stuff that just like ugh, that just cut to my heart. And I just you know what? I wish I would have had thicker skin and I wish I would have been more bold and just decided to be who I am and if they don't like it, they can go get their own damn podcast. Uh, you know that that's it that I wish I would have had that so thicker skin audio production uh and then uh, you know what um one of the things that I wish I knew then that I actually discovered very early on is that it's all about serving and helping people um for me when I first started podcasting you guys may remember this for me podcasting was a hobby it wasn't something I was trying to do to build a business it wasn't trying to make any money. I, I mean, I, I had a job that was very secure, all this stuff. And for me, podcasting was a hobby. It was for fun. It was enjoyment. It was my free time. And, um, I, what, and, and, and as a result of that, to be honest, I mean, just throwing it right there on the line for you, some of it was a little bit of arrogance and, and pride, but I wanted, I wanted to put something out there that, that people would, Kind of like saying, hmm, take notice. That Cliff Ravenscraft, he's a pretty cool guy. Or I like that Cliff Ravenscraft. He's put something great out there. You know, I wanted, I, I, I actually got into podcasting for a little bit of the celebrity slash fame side of it. I know that sounds pretty selfish and arrogant. And, and, uh, what's the other word that people use? Um, uh, I can't remember the word right now, but it's, it's the one, uh, narcissistic. You know, a bit narcissistic that, you know, I, I went into it with all kinds of really crazy 
you know, thoughts that maybe podcasting is going to lead me one day to, to, to be on the Oprah show. And I, I shared that in a podcast and boy, did that upset some people. Uh, but anyway, I, but what I realized is that over time, the power of podcasting isn't just to put something out there so people can pat you on the back and tell you how great you are. Although I still like those things because I'm a words of affirmation kind of guy. Uh, but the reality is, is what I found is that podcasting has the power to transform people's lives. Um, I'm going to share something with you guys and, and, and just to show you, because, you know, this, I was just having this conversation with my mastermind group and he, somebody asked Cliff, you know, why do you publish all of these personal workout selfies and stuff like that? He goes, you know, initially I thought when I saw those all the time, I kind of thought, you know, hey, I, that, that seems a little, you know, narcissistic in a way. Uh, and, but then I see the responses of people who are saying that they've been inspired by you. And I told him, I said, I'm going to be just completely honest and, and authentic with you and transparent and tell you that uh, uh, in the early days of when I started posting these post-workout selfies, it was a bit narcissistic. I was working out. I set a goal and I wanted, I wanted to tell people what that goal was. And I wanted it a little bit for accountability, but I also wanted it to say, I wanted it because I get motivated when tell, people tell me that I did a good job. I'm a words of affirmation guy. So I like it when people say, hey, great job. And so many times I started out posting those post-workout selfies so that people would say, hey, great job on staying up with your commitment. Wow, that's so inspiring. Cliff, keep at it, man. You're doing great. And, and that would motivate me to continue to work out every day. And so I'm, you know, this is this is an analogy. My post-workout selfies are an analogy to to what I did, which was this original motivation for me to start podcasting. But what I realized over time is that there's other reasons for to continue publishing episodes or continue putting out workout selfies. And so I'm going to share with you something I put in my mastermind group today. Um, I think it was today. So I go to my green room. And I put in here, addicted to cycling. And it's funny because I see that Leslie's typed in a response. Anyway, I said, um, I said to my, the guys, I said, hey, guys, I found a new addiction. I have fallen in love with cycling. In the past two months, I've rode my bike 385.8 miles, climbed 20,847 feet while burning 18,773 calories. Total time spent on the bike is one day and three hours. This Sunday, I'm planning to do a 63-mile ride at RideCincinnati.org. I'm averaging 15 to 25 miles per ride right now. This past Saturday, I did a 40.6-mile ride in three hours and 16 minutes. I'm a freaking athlete. Go figure. And then I post, posted my, my thing here. And then Michael says, congratulations. And then as a follow-up to a call that we had that I just told you about, I shared this email. I said, hey, um, hey Leslie, on our call, um, I was very open about what initially motivated me to share how uh, the main reason for continuing to share was uh, shifted by knowing how much post-workout selfies motivate and inspire others. Check out this email that came in last night. This is from Thomas. I have marked out his name. This came in Friday, June 12th at 7.09 a.m. So it actually came in this morning. He said, the subject line is thank you. And he says, I'm happy to say I'm 30 pounds lighter. Keep up the inspiration sent from my iPhone. And he sent me an image from his workout program. He's using the same Map My Fitness or no, Map, yeah, Map My Map My Fitness. And he started out, look at this. This is a listener of my podcast who started out at 700 or 278 pounds on April 16th. All right, 278 pounds. And now he's dropped 
on June 11th to 245. This guy, one guy, has lost 32.6 pounds because of the content that I've created. And Leslie says nice. All right, cool. So the third thing that I wish I would have known when I started is that, you know what, it, it's, it is kind of nice to put content out there and, and impress people. And, 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 and if that's one of the reasons why you're creating content to impress people, it's kind of fun to impress people and to get feedback from people who are impressed. And, and if it's your reason for podcasting, um, it's not as fun to get people from, uh, to get email and contact from people who are not so impressed by the content that you put out there. But what I realized is that, and what I, I wish everybody would realize, is that it's not about impressing people, it's not about making money, it's not about reaching millions of people, hundreds of thousands of people. The, the real value of podcasting is that we have the opportunity to share our experiences, what we're learning, our struggles, our obstacles, how we're getting around them, our positive mental attitude, and 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 our determination to make big things happen in our own lives and just sharing that, we have the opportunity to have a powerful and positive impact on the lives of individual people who listen to our show. And I wish more people understood and knew that. So, those are the three things, Robin. Well, there you go, my friends. That was the answer that I gave off the top of my head to three things that I know now that I wish I would have known when I first started podcasting. And... You know, we're running out of time here for this week's episode, so I want to make sure that you guys are aware that uh, the next session of Podcasting A to Z is coming up on Monday, August 10th. I'm going to go ahead and play this promo for it right now, just in case somebody's listening for the first time. Here's what's involved in Podcasting A to Z. Are you thinking of launching your own podcast and don't know where to start? You could have your own high-quality podcast online in just under four weeks, even if you have absolutely no technical knowledge about how podcasting works. Intrigued? 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 Since 2006, Cliff Ravenscraft, the podcast answer man, has trained thousands of people on how to launch a successful podcast. Cliff has coached top-ranked podcasters such as Pat Flynn, Michael Hyatt, Michael Stelzner, Dan Miller, John Lee Dumas, and the list goes on. Podcasting A to Z is a four-week group training course that leads you step-by-step through the setup of your very own podcast. Not just the technical side, but also the mindset that goes into creating a successful show as well. One thing is certain. At the end of four weeks, you will have experienced one of the best investments you can make in taking your message to the next level. To learn more details about the course, head to podcastinga2z.com. Podcastinga2z.com. That's right, my friends. And when you go there to podcastinga2z.com, make sure that you do me a huge favor. Start at the bottom. I know it sounds crazy, but go to the bottom and read the testimonials first. Because I have had one or two people who have said, man, uh, you know, there you sure do promise a lot in this course. There's no way. Uh, and I encourage you to just, before you even watch the video at the top of the page, just scroll right on down, read those testimonials. And then when you actually play the video and and read all that's involved in that course, you'll find that there are people who are actually telling you exactly that I got all of that and so much more. And I want to do that for you. In fact, I, I mentioned this at the end of last week's episode, but I'll mention it again here for those of you who are relatively new to the show. 
but not only will you get me as a personal podcast coach and consultant, but also you'll have the ability to have access to me as a as a life and career coach through the process as well. Uh, so things aren't just you're and you have access to ask me anything you want for an entire four week period of time, and those questions do not have to be only relevant to podcasting. So. Anything that you know about me that you'd like to learn about from me and my experience over all of these years of going from a podcast as a hobby uh, to turning it into a full-time career, doing online events, live events, anything you want to know from me, this course is your direct access to me. I'd love to have you in this next session that starts on August 10th. Again, podcastingatoz.com for all the details and to register. And until next week, my friends, when Will will continue the part three of questions new podcasters ask, uh, we'll be back with that next week. And until then, I encourage you to take everything you do to the next level. Podcast. Add some math.